partnerships are are my business love language. Uh, my background before I started my own businesses is I worked in marketing and partnerships, and I witnessed the power of um, a tailored partnership to really grow a business on an exponential level. Just to put a little bit of context, so brand collaborations are up to 25 times less expensive than digital advertising. So a carefully curated partnership can actually project you so much further forward. I worked in businesses that didn't have an advertising budget. They had a partnerships budget. Welcome back to The Purpose Effect, the podcast about purpose-driven businesses and what we can learn about solving some of the world's biggest problems from the women who are solving them. I'm Elena Kersey, and I'm on a mission to learn how we can build better, better work, stronger communities, a healthier planet. If you believe there's a better world out there waiting for us, then this podcast is for you. They say that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Partnership and collaboration is key to making impact. But I also think it's what will make your business grow faster with less money. No matter where you want to get to, you need to bring people along for the ride. So that's why I wanted to speak to Abby Pantano, a community architect and business matchmaker for impact businesses. Abby left a career in marketing and partnerships in the luxury and consumer brand sector because she believes in custodianship, that we are only custodians of the land and the communities we live in, and it's our obligation to safeguard these for the generations coming after us. So she wanted to be part of the solution in protecting these. Her journey to founding Impact Collab, a digital community for impact businesses, has had its bumps as all business journeys do. And I think that no matter where you are in your journey to creating impact, Abby's stories will resonate. They'll also remind you that failure is a good thing. It's part of the road to success. As Abby says, it's the first pancake out of the pan. It's never the best, but you need to get the slightly brown, weird, misshapen one out in order to get the good ones out. And the good ones certainly have come out for Abby. Impact Collab is growing in Australia, New Zealand, and Asia Pac, and will be expanding into North America next year. But you should really hear these lessons straight from Abby. So let's get to our chat with Abby Pantano, community architect and founder of Impact Collab. But before we do, I'm going to pour myself a hug in a mug with a cup of tea bird tea. I love T-Bird Tea, and not just because the packaging is absolutely beautiful, although it is, or because the tea is organic and comes in biodegradable tea bags, although it does, but because I love the way T-Bird Tea's founder, Ashley Cotterell, uses her business to support other businesses doing good. Ashley partners with brands and not-for-profits doing good for people and planet because she believes that this is how you build sustainable businesses. And I couldn't agree more. So if you want delicious, healthy, beautifully packaged tea that makes impact, you can get 20% off using the code HUGINAMUG20. I'd recommend the Earl Grey and Orange. It's my favorite. It's interesting, this, this concept around custodianship, you know, the original custodians of the land. And, and I think about growing up with my family. This was something that was really instilled in my family. We grew up in the mountains. And we lived right at the base of a national park. And it was instilled very early on in us that if you see like an item of rubbish or if you see something that's been dropped on the ground, that it's your responsibility to pick it up. And that's something that's kind of fed right through. 
I was born in New Mexico, just to give you context, I was born in New Mexico, I was raised in New Zealand, and then um, I essentially came to Australia when I was 21 to work in marketing and partnerships, and uh, and I was working with like the cool, fun brand, you know, with like a sunglass hut, working with like, these amazing like luxury brands, and, and then I went into lifestyle products. But I think there was this one piece that was like, oh, I, was, I was getting to travel around the world, I was managing amazing teams, I loved being part of a big group, but um, I felt like there was definitely a misalignment in terms of like, particularly with my last business where I was like, I am just creating future landfill here, it feels like. And the catalyst for me was actually I learned to, to dive. My husband's got his rescue diver certification. We went to Thailand and I was getting my paddy certification. Go up for the first dive, that's all good. And then the second dive, something changes. And I find that I'm spending about half the time looking at the fish and then the other half I'm spending looking at these pieces of plastic floating through the water. It's like these mm. mystic little jellyfish. And so I'm like swimming after them, grabbing the piece of plastic, tuck it into my wetsuit. Look at a fish. Oh, there's another one. Swim after it, tuck into my, my wetsuit. And I think it was, again, it was an unconscious thing, but I was like, oh, well, you know, it's your responsibility. It's go out and grab it. And I get back on the boat and my legs are like bulging with plastic, like bulging. Um, <laughs> and I like, and I flip my wetsuit inside out and pull it out. And it's just, and the diving instructors are looking at me like, who, what is this woman doing? And, but it just was this point where I was like, I just, I can't do this anymore. I, I was like, I'm ultimately contributing to this. And I think there's that whole piece of going, you know, the things that you accept you're ultimately promoting to an extent. So I was like, no, I'm ready to step in and be part of that solution. So I came back and I was fortunate to have a great relationship with my my bosses and I, I essentially went down to three days a week. And then the other two days a week, I created a side hustle, which was selling these um, wheat stem drinking straws to okay. bars and cafes and restaurants. And, you know, it's something that was like so little, but it was like a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single sip. You know, it's like, was that your tagline? <laughs> was yeah. it? It's great. <laughs> Thank you. So my, so the business was called The Next Sip. Yes. I love it. Um, and, and it was my, the product was the raw straw and. Oh my God, it gets better and better. All of the puns. <laughs> I know. totally. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was, I was frothing on this product. So I of course jumped in, you know, head first, bought a million units, um, got some massive um, partners on board. And then um, the pandemic hit. And as the pandemic hit, if I'm honest, I think I was kind of looking for an exit. I didn't want to be selling a commodity product. I was selling to businesses that ultimately just wanted to get the lowest price. They didn't really care about the story that much. And because I was one of the first people to find this product, I also paid way too much for it. Okay. So um, so it, it when it came to the pandemic, I went, no what? this is a nice thing to be able to blame for wrapping up this. The other thing that I noticed setting up my side hustle. I went from, again, being part of working in a business, which is its own community. It's its own ecosystem, you know? And so you all work together in tandem to achieve a common goal to suddenly being on my own. And I had to do everything. And I felt like asking for help was a sign of weakness. I got really mm -hmm. isolated. I got overwhelmed. And, you know, that feeling of, you know, when you get so overwhelmed and you've got so many things to do, you take a nap. Yeah. And so I was yeah. napping a lot at that time. <laughs> and um, 
it was actually crossing paths with someone who from the outset would have been my competitor. And I, she was selling the same product and, um, I had, I had actually wanted to reach out to her earlier and I had another co-founder at the time and he was like, she runs her race. We run ours. We don't cross paths, let her do her thing. And then she had ended up reaching out to me and had said, uh, I actually need help. I've got straws stuck in customs and I, I need to get this order out. Can you help me? And I said, yeah, sure. Sounds good. Do you want to go for a coffee? And so I met up with her and it was like, that was the catalyst to where I was like, oh, there are people who are just like me, who I, who I can collaborate with. And she suddenly, she was telling me all these stories. I was like, I can, like, I really resonate with. And suddenly I felt so much less alone. And, um, you know, my network, my immediate friends aren't, aren't, aren't entrepreneurs. My family has all worked in healthcare. I didn't have entrepreneurship running in my family. And so, yeah, finding someone who is like me, I was like, oh, this is, this is something special. And, and there was one thing I noticed with her is that while I had more years of experience in big business under my belt, I guess I had like ticked a lot of boxes to where I was like, I should be successful, but why am I not? And when I looked at what she was doing and she was kind of on this trajectory, she was outsourcing what she didn't love and she was joining communities. Those were like two of the main things I saw that I wasn't doing, which she was doing. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I went on this journey then to go and find my community. She was working in like, she went to the hospitality industry and I was like, I think I want to go and dabble somewhere else. And I just couldn't, I couldn't find the people that I resonated with. I feel like I felt silly turning up and saying I sell straws. <laughs> I mean, even then social enterprise, the, the concept social enterprise was still early. I don't even think I had a word for that then. I just knew that I was so value driven and purpose driven um, that I could see past a really simple basic product because I knew my greater goal was something so much bigger than that. And it was only once I was next to the water cooler and I spoke to someone else who was incredibly purpose-driven going, you know, I've seen this lack in the world around a certain area and I want to build a business around addressing it. And I'm, you know, and I have so much love and respect for not-for-profits who go out there that it's hard, hard work, the grassroots movement. There is a superpower and be able to go, I can make money and I can self-fund the grassroots movements that I really believe in. I love talking with not-for-profits and supporting them, but social enterprise, social impact um, founders are... Yeah, they're my people. Yeah. Yeah. So then how did the seeds start to come together for the Impact Collab? Yeah. So essentially COVID happened. um, I finished up with the straws. I was then made redundant from my role with my marketing role, which was great. Nice little leaving package. And I was like, this is my next step to be like, move forward. What are you going to do next? And um, yeah, essentially I had like all these people who I'd sort of collected like Pokemon cards and was like, you know, how can we collaborate? How can we share ideas? Um, the lockdowns eased, I want to say around July, we we opened our doors for the smallest room around that period. And then like our largest space, which was like the event space, um, uh, opened in December. So by then things were like, they were rolling. And so I just kept on finding my people and saying, come in, let's co-work together, let's meet. Yeah, it really started to snowball from there. Then we had the second lockdown. And I think there was that mindset of going, is this ethical for me to be going into a co-working space? Should I be collaborating? There's just so much that was kind of playing into those dynamics. But 
the beauty of it was I knew that I wanted to create a community around impact-led businesses, and I didn't really know what the different catalysts or opportunities to be able to interact and, um, and in essence, play. I love, I love the word play with each other on how yeah. can we grow our businesses and learn. And so through that second lockdown, I ended up creating a digital community membership, which was just through me having conversations, going, what do you feel like you're missing right now? Um, and really just throwing... <laughs> Uh, throwing things at the wall and seeing what stuck. And it was an interesting one as well, because during that period, we thought we knew what we wanted, but sometimes then we would get it and go, oh, it turns out that wasn't what I wanted. Yeah, I actually need this. And so it was this like consistent failure back to back. It just felt like, I always laugh about the, you know, the movie Up um, yeah. the, by Disney. And there's the little boy scout. He's like, I could help you cross the street. No, I could help you cross the yard. No, I could help you cross your porch. <laughs> and it's like, well, I got to help you cross something. And I, I just resonated so much with that little boy being like, just, I was like the scout leader in the group being like, we're going to do this. We're going to get through it. We're going to connect with each other. Yeah. And, and from there really working on the foundations of connection. Um, and then like learning from each other and designing community is this as if it's a puzzle. It's not about me. I'm just kind of creating the table for the puzzle to sit. It's up to each person to play that different role to create the larger picture. Yeah. And so today it's now, I actually end up selling my shares in the co-working space at the end of last year uh, and moved Impact Club into, it's a digital community membership, which has an in-person option for those who are in Sydney, Gadigal land uh, to meet up. Um, but then the digital community membership, I've got members who are across Australia, New Zealand, Southeast Asia. I have got one person who is over in Toronto, uh, but heavily focused currently on the Southern Hemisphere, but the Northern Hemisphere is in the works. I've had some interest. And so um, I've set a cap of 150 uh, in this area based on Dunbar's number. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dunbar's number. Yeah. Why don't you go into that a little bit? Yeah, so it's based on this concept of that we can only know 150 people authentically before it was actually based on tribes, before a tribe would okay. start to splinter apart. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's really around creating this unit where we can come together and support. And I've designed it as an ecosystem. So when people come in, I understand what their niche is in terms of what they offer if they're a service provider. And if there's too many people overlapping in one area, we, I put a, a cap on that. And mm-hmm. then bringing in social enterprises who can then access that support and get mentorship hours and and access to courses and things like that that are hosted by our members. So how do you design the pods? Can anyone join up until that number, 150, and then you split up a pod based on not just numbers of people, but also not replicating businesses or skill sets? Is that how it works? Yeah, so currently there are some areas which are now full, the marketing and storytelling spaces were the first um, the first to fill. And so essentially how it works is it's an interview process where I sit down and have a chat, understand are you the right fit? Is this going to be the right space for you? And what are you hoping, I guess, what are you seeking from a community experience? Mm-hmm. Um, understanding the work that people are within and um, and if there is a gap within the community, then um, it'll be a matter of then bringing them into the fold. It's really about designing a collaboration over competition mindset. Yeah. And that's where where we thrive. Mm-hmm. You said something interesting earlier. You were talking about how the early stages of the Impact Collab were like 
I think you said a series of failures. What are your beliefs around failure? Because this is something that I find very interesting when I talk to different founders. Some definitely have a failure as a learning experience mindset and Mm -hmm. some also struggle a lot with, with failure and what they think that means. Many people equate something in their business not working as some kind of personal reflection on themselves. So I was wondering what things were like for you during that process and how you think about failure. It's interesting when that period was, it was a shock to my system. And I think about how if it hadn't been for the lockdown and going, oh my gosh, are we ever going to be able to open this co-working space? I need to find an alternate way of making this work. I wonder how much I would have folded. I mean, certainly like I had the straw business, which I would equate to, I guess, quote unquote, a failure. I kind of called it my MBA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then um, I, after that, I was about to build a puzzle business. I got, I got a logo. I got all of these things. I mean, me and a million other people were creating puzzle businesses. And I there were other business ideas that I'd had, which fell through. And I remember there was one point when I was like, what am I doing? I just feel like feel like an idiot every time I go to my friends and say, I've got a new business and then it's not there. And then it feels like I'm just not seeing things through. Ollie, my husband had shared over, it was a post where it was just talking about all of the biggest founders have had several failures, like failed businesses up until that point. And there's actually a lot of VC firms that won't invest unless you've failed before, Mm. because there's so much that you learn from being able to go in there. And that whole piece of fail fast, learn fast. The quicker you can get comfortable with failing, the faster you are at growing. And I still have those self-limiting beliefs where I I hold myself back because I don't want to put myself out there. And I'm worried that if this falls apart and I give everything that maybe I wasn't enough. But I think it's the recognition that your product actually isn't your product. It's you that's your product. Um, you know, this fear around competitors taking your idea, ultimately no one can replicate the way that you think. And so just being open to innovate and keep on changing. And this community is an ever evolving thing to un- for me to understand where do we sit within that market right now? It started because I just wanted to find like-minded humans who would cheer me on, who would be in my corner, who'd help me make from making really silly mistakes that would hold me back or potentially put me off ever building a business because they were such big mistakes that someone actually has navigated before. But it's now, it's growing into something of its own. And I think I knew that my pillar was community and connection. And I was like, as long as that's there and purpose, I was like, I can keep adapting and shifting and and it always shapeshifts and changes. And if you're Mm -hmm. not willing to shapeshift and change, you're going to be left behind. So you have to get comfortable with it. It's a superpower to be able to do it. And I think that women in particular, we are much more um, adverse to um, this concept of failure. I think about, you know, going into a bar and, you know, a guy goes in and hits on 10 women and gets one yes and goes, I got a yes. That's success. <laughs> I know. Whereas I still remember one time when I went to a bar and I was like, that guy's cute. I'm going to do it. I was like, do you want to dance? And he was like, no, not today. And I still remember that moment. I, was, I feel like I was like 19 and I was still holding on to this. So it's like, I think for women in particular, we certainly need to be able to find more opportunities to quickly just fail. There was actually one, there's one thing that I heard about where this guy was like, every place that you go to ask for a 10% discount. 
no matter what you're buying, always ask for a 10% discount. And Mm -hmm. chances are sometimes you'll get it and sometimes you won't. But just being able to put yourself out there and just constantly be like, can I get it? Like, go to McDonald's. Can I, can I get a discount? And they'd be like, why? No. And you'd be like, I don't know. Just why not? You know? And then it ends up becoming this like exposure therapy to being like, well, you know, why not? Goosebumps are forming all over my body. Like the idea of walking into a McDonald's, not that I <laughs> tend to go there and asking them for a 10% discount is like, uh, no, we have standardized pricing across the world. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to have a discount. Um, but... Let's talk about partnership strategy. It's a commonality. People who are building impact businesses often start because they're driven by a mission and they don't have any money. And this often starts as a side project or a side hustle and somehow grows into a business. But it's really difficult to grow any kind of business when you have, first of all, limited money and also limited time if you're spending Mm -hmm. your time working in paid employment as well. So how can we use like partnerships effectively to try and grow or create more impact? I think sometimes there is a value in using your partnerships to go to go deeper in an issue rather than than wider. Yeah, absolutely. So um so partnerships are are my business love language. Uh, my background before I started my own businesses is I worked in marketing and partnerships and I witnessed the power of um, a tailored partnership to really grow a business on an exponential level. Just to put a little bit of context, so brand collaborations are up to 25 times less expensive than digital advertising. So a carefully curated partnership can actually project you so much further forward. I worked in businesses that didn't have an advertising budget. They had a partnerships budget. It was a matter of finding the right, the right businesses to be able to collaborate with to achieve a common outcome. And I guess in terms of reasons to collaborate, there's a couple of key ones. So first one is around reach. They share the same target customer. You share the same target customer. So it means that combined, you actually can increase the amount of reach you've got. Uh, You can do it around positioning. If you're currently charging a certain amount, but you want to be able to charge more, finding a business that is more premium than you, um, that you can collaborate with can help you actually raise up your, um, what you're charging because people are perceiving you as as a higher quality or higher caliber brand. Uh, The other reason could be around innovation. So if you're like, no, I think I've got this product that maybe I want to bring to market, but I just don't know I don't even know where to get started. You can actually work with someone else who's designed that product already and say, hey, how about we come together and let's innovate together and create a super product. One thing that I've really discovered for me as well is knowing that um, my superpower is actually the fact that I don't know everything and I don't want to be a jackie of all trades. I want to be you know, a master of my area and then recognize what am I willing to do? What am I not willing to do? And who's currently doing that in the market that I can collaborate with? And a lot of times I've found that I'm probably doing something that they're like, oh, actually, I don't want to do that either. So how about we team up? So a great example of this is I knew that my skill set runs around community, supporting different members, doing check-ins and building infrastructure around a supportive and collaborative community. Um, there was another impact-led community, Bambura, who I'm now partnering with, that sets up advisory boards, training programs. They do coaching as well, coach matchmaking. I knew that that was an important part of the um, entrepreneur experience, but I didn't have the capacity as one person to be able to deliver on that. 
I ended up going through that program myself. I got to know the founder as well. One thing that I loved is we actually went for, we went for a drink and for lunch before we did anything. We're like, hey, let's just get to know each other. Yeah. And, um, and I think we only talked about business maybe in the last five minutes, but the first 25 was really about getting a gauge on who is this person and is this something that we might want to explore. So that's a really good opportunity to be able to, to come together on um, your d- individual superpowers. And, and so that was actually the first meeting. In the second meeting, we had a whiteboard. We had, you know, I laughed because we had like eight cups around us where it's like we had our tea, we had our coffee, we had our water, <laughs> and we went back for more tea. <laughs> and uh, just a massive whiteboard. And we drew up on the whiteboard, what are the things that I'm great at? What are the things you are great at? Where do the gaps exist? And how can we make this work? And just because um, you can actually create a product for you like in this specific setting, I won't be doing any work like that. And so that's going to be your niche. Um, and if you end up wanting to dabble outside, it's just about having really clear communication along the way. Um, so each party is aware and also building up um, an MOU, a memorandum of understanding. Have a one-page document write down, this is what I'm going to do. This is what you're going to do. This is the length of time. And make sure that you've just got that. And I'm very happy to share a template with you, Elena, if you want to have that as a downloadable resource um, because that was one of the greatest resources I had when building partnerships was to have a document where it's like, what do we agree is is the ideal partnership? And that can be a working document, but you have something that you can come back to if you one day have a meeting where you, everyone gets really excited and suddenly it goes down this meandering path and you go, why am I feeling a bit funny about this? You can come back and go, oh yeah, that's right. We have this in place. And so that's a really, really valuable piece. So back to the reasons to collaborate. So you've got reach, you've got positioning, innovation, If you want to test something, test out your market, see if you've got maybe a customer base and go, hey, we're going to try bringing in this kind of product. And if it resonates well, you can look at whether or not you want to bring something like that along as well. Um, And the other piece is around adding value. You can end up creating partnerships where you actually create this like super product where because the best of the best are delivering those parts, you end up creating an ecosystem that really your customers are going to drive loyalty. They're going to get heaps more value. Um, and the cost of actually um, executing that has been reduced greatly because you've already got someone who's doing that on the day-to-day. Mm. So so those are some of the reasons to collaborate, and um, I'd like to kind of go into the different types of collaborations that you can go into. So one of them is around content. So if you end up writing to co-author a blog post, um, this is another great example, you know, with the podcast and bringing people in to have a conversation that's kind of bringing the two different ideas and the thought leadership into one space. Yeah. Um, you can collaborate on a product. So what I've done with Anna at Bambuda, where her advisory boards and her coaching programs have the um, Impact Collab community membership is actually built into their product. So I'm really trying to bring that whole, that, that word collab to life is where I'm actually meeting with heads of impact who are delivering on events, that are delivering on education, that are delivering on extra support and going, mm. hey, how about we bring everyone into this pot so they can collaborate and learn from each other and create partnerships. And you can do what you are best at. And yeah. I can just continue to support at that level. So, for example, One Roof, um, a community I'm part of, um, they uh, partner up with Metal Gifts, which is M-E-T-T-L-E. And so they work with survivors of domestic violence who are making products. And so all of their welcome packs, you actually get a box from Metal. So that was a benefit where metal can get more consistent consistency of income. They're actually supporting a group that one roof would love to support. And it means one roof's not spending this time trying to make impact on the ground when it's not their um, zone of genius. 
Do you have any examples maybe of members within the Impact Collab who, through their membership to the community, have created some really amazing partnerships? Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite ones was we had, I run co-work days every now and then, and we like to go around during that day and share who we are, what we do, who we can help and any help that we're looking for. So it's a give and take. And one of the members, Jacinta, spoke up and said, I'm really feeling upset about these refugees that are being being brought off Manus Island. They're essentially, they've been on the island for seven years. They're coming over for two weeks and then they're expected to find a job right off. They've got so much they've got to work through in terms of the trauma. And she goes, I think I want to run an event. And so I actually had someone who was an event manager going, hey, I'd love to be able to help you with that event. So what ended up happening was, they ended up creating this event and because they had someone who had a background in, um, in events, she was able to go from like, Jacinta was like, I would love if I could raise $500. They ended up raising $6,000. Oh, wow. And then because they had that process built, they were then able to, they were like, let's apply for a grant. Let's make this, scale this up to the next level. Then we had another um, member who was like, I actually work in grants. I'd love to be able to give you some advice. Then what they end up doing is pulling together a tender, pitch that for a grant, and they got funding from City of Sydney to run a series of three events. So it meant that the organizers, the person who donated her time for events, everyone got paid got paid for their work at mm-hmm. a fair wage. And then they also got to increase their impact because they ended up running those three, the series of three events, which was incredible. Oh, there was another one where, um, so TIFF, who runs The Social Story, which is a social media agency which um, communicates impact effectively. And uh, she partnered up with the Millennial Crisis, which is another community who was um, looking to support millennials who are wanting to create more impactful jobs. She ended up bringing on Teresa from Careers for Purpose to come on board, and they end up running a, um, a panel event where they could talk about how to build a career on purpose. The other thing that I love about collaborations is... When you're working by yourself, sometimes you can be the most lenient boss <laughs> and yeah. you go, I have this great idea and you just never get around to doing it. One example of this was I knew I wanted to run these connect-a-thons where it was like an hour online, you fill in your partnership profile, you a week before the event, you can see everyone who's joining and you express an interest for who you want to connect with on that call. And then on the call, I actually put you into tailored rooms with those people. Or if you haven't made a request, I know about your business so I can put you into rooms. I've been to something similar, which wasn't impact driven. And I was like, I could do this and I know how valuable it is. Um, but I just couldn't pull my finger out to get it done. And then I had someone who, um, Patricia from uh, Patricia Cazero who runs a a coaching program for impact-led founders. She's incredible. And she was working with Spark Festival and said, hey, I want to do something for Spark Festival. I'm not really sure what, but I want to think it might be something around networking. And so we actually came together and I said, this is an idea I've been thinking of. She was bringing in different ideas. It was so much more fun to be able to bring something like that to life and also have accountability where someone's, yeah. we said, okay, we're meeting up next week. We're going to get these different things done and delivering something together as well. I definitely believe in partnerships when it comes to events because <laughs> they can be such a beast. And also if you can partner with other businesses on events and go, hey, I'll bring five people, you bring five people, you bring five people, even just to fill up a room, it takes the stress off. But 
that was, I mean, that was a great event. It met, helped me get, you know, I call it getting the first pancake out of the pan. You know, oh, it's, it's like, always a bit, it's, bit brown. Yeah, it's like not the prettiest, <laughs> but it's edible. But, you know, you just had to get the first one out. And it's like, I feel like no matter what I do, that first pancake is always just not great. <laughs> but, you know, it's edible. And so it kind of, um, talking around that piece around innovation and testing something, I now run that event every four to six weeks. It's one of my favorite events for just myself and for my community as well. And I don't, I, maybe I eventually would have gotten it up and running, but the imposter syndrome in me was going, what if I give it my all and what if I fail? Uh, And what if nobody turns up or what if it's terrible? And just having an extra person to be like, how can we collaborate and keep each other accountable? And because of those events, I was able to increase my reach. Um, Mm -hmm. I was able to establish myself as a thought leader and as a go-to for connection. Uh, And the only thing I really gave was my time and my expertise to be able to deliver that. I want to talk a little bit more about the thought leadership you've built because you've made a huge impact in creating a brand around yourself and particularly when it comes to impact-driven businesses and the community that's required to build them. But you have very little digital presence. Um, <laughs> so how did, you, how did you do this? <laughs> because creating uh, all of that digital content to build thought leadership takes a lot of time and energy, you know, and um, I also have a extremely long list of all of the pieces of content that I need to create for <laughs> building thought leadership. But you you seem to have been able to have done it without that. So I would love to hear some of your tips on how you've done that. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think probably my greatest gift is I um, do love a chat <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it's oppor- um, opportunities like this are incredible. I've spoken um, and done keynotes at some other industry events and I've really just shown up as much as possible within other communities um, and with other thought leaders to have meaningful conversations. So part of it has really been about me inserting myself firmly into the center of, I like that. <laughs> it's like they can't really they can't really avoid me and I it, um and it's interesting though because you know every time I go to an event that I'm not hosting you wouldn't think it but I get such severe social anxiety and I go I just don't know if I've got if I can do this and and I think part of the reason why I was like um I love to run my events is because I I create all the things that I wish were there when I came to an event, I make sure that every person is greeted at the front door. I make sure that they do the introductions to someone else so I can have a buddy. And the other thing that I really like to do is, uh, and I remember when I had my first business and I was just getting started and a couple of key pieces made, key um, people made introductions for me to other other people in the industry that I just appreciated, appreciated so immensely that I knew that when the opportunity came that I'd built up my network, I would make any referral that I could or any connection Mm -hmm. that I could. So I ended up creating a business around that. And I, you know, joke about my titles, community architects, but also community matchmaker. And so I've also spent the last three years really building up goodwill within Mm. the impact community and within the business community. Any way that I can help, I will. It's not with an expectation of anything in return. But I do know that, you know, you, you put out good energy and good intentions and it's kind of like putting out fairy dust. Eventually it'll kind of swirl on back to you. But 
if you go out with the intention of getting quick, uh, quick um, outcomes, it's going to be a frustrating process, but it's just, you know, just once a week, what's one nice thing you can do a week for another founder within the impact space? Yeah. And it's amazing how that goodwill come back. Yes. I was reading something recently about, it was just a series of tips um, for people starting businesses. And one of the tips that was in there said, you know, don't underestimate the power of your network because your first lead or your first sale will come from somewhere in your community, but it will not be where you expect it to come from. (laughs) So sprinkling that fairy dust is really, really important. Um, It will come back to you eventually. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we're only as strong as our, you know, our weakest ties. And so bringing others along on that journey, it means that, you know, it's like a wave when one of us goes up, all of us will go up, particularly in the impact space. Again, coming to that piece around interconnectedness. And we do need to move out of the space of operating as a silo and feeling like um, if we talk too much, we're going to give away all of our trade secrets. Uh, There's there is actually plenty of money in the kitty out there. We need to move into an abundance mindset and being able to share our wins and share opportunities means that there's just so much more that's going to open up for us. I'm sure founders, particularly impact founders, come mm-hmm. to you for advice often. Mm-hmm. What, what do you tell them when they ask you about how to get started on their journey? So usually I'll direct them to go through an incubator first to be able to work on the foundations. Know that your North Star is embedded, but you actually need to be able to build the business a way anybody could build a business. So going into, I actually recommend going into um, those, the incubators that are for any type of business, because you know that that same, that same level of like lean, mean, money-making machine kind of mentality is embedded. Uh, The other piece is, Finding a mentor is a really big one uh, in terms of like just kind of skimming through any of the challenges that you might, that might hold you back um, Mm -hmm. or might get really expensive. Getting a coach is another good option as well. So there's again, two different ones, somewhere you're like, I just need to get into like the next stage and somewhere you're like, okay, just help me refine this. And certainly, I mean, I can't say it enough what a difference it is to come into a community and yeah. and be able to connect with others who have walked the path before. It makes it a lot less scary. And going from this like mindset of, oh my gosh, I lost five thousand dollars last month. And someone goes, oh, I lost a hundred thousand dollars my first month. That's nothing. And you go, yeah. and it's just perspective, right? You know, it feels for, to you, it feels like it's a mountain, but actually for other people, it's a molehill. And you need yeah. to find the people who are like, that is a molehill. Don't let this hold you back. This is how we can adapt to move forward and just have your cheerleaders in the corner. It's a game changer. Yeah. No, I mean, I think in all cases, having your cheerleaders in your corner helps. And particularly if you're starting a business, because it's scary. Most people who are doing it, um, particularly in the impact space, are doing it not because they wanted to start a business necessarily, but because they couldn't see any other way to make the impact that they were wanting to make. So... Mm. Can you tell me what's next for Impact Collab and how people could potentially join the community? Yeah, sure. What's next is uh, I should probably build my website. <laughs> 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 I, I was chatting. We had a, a, 
fortnightly co-work day in Sydney. And last week we were working and one of our members went, Abby, you're going to have to pull it together. But the, the community has been growing based on invitation, application or referral. And okay. I've quite enjoyed that um, up until this point, but I do want to be able to open up for more founders who are feeling lonely, feeling isolated, and like they want to connect with the people who've walked that path before to be able to come into the fold. If you are interested in having a discovery chat, because that is the only way to come in is to have a conversation with me because it's all about finding the right fit and making sure. And I have connections with so many other communities. Not everyone's right for us, but I have other people that I can send you on to. Um, is to follow us on Instagram, which is at the Impact Collab. And in there, you'll see at the link tree, you can book a discovery call with me. And yeah, one of my favorite things is to just have 30 minutes of hearing about what people are working on and pointing them in the right direction. The role I play is around community matchmakers. So uh, I love to be able to connect people up. So yeah, the, the next step around, if you're wanting to understand more, uh, obviously right now the crux of our community exists in the Southern Hemisphere. I've done that based on time zones. I'm a really strong believer in I don't do things during lunch times, like learning sessions during lunch times. I don't do sessions in the evenings or early, early morning. I believe in focusing on like the core of the day. I don't th- do things on weekends. <laughs> um I designed something the way I wanted to be able to interact with the community going, this is a business. Ultimately it's passion, but it's a business for me. And I want to be able to spend my evenings and weekends going on bushwalks and hanging out with my dogs and hanging out with my husband and reading. So, so that's why I focused on the Southern hemisphere. However, Northern hemisphere is in the works. Um, I will be planning to travel around the Northern hemisphere next year and the, and the year after to start building up that core. So if you're interested in being part of a founding, uh, essentially be a founding member for the Northern hemisphere of the impact collab and really help with shaping what that experience looks like, then definitely reach out to me. I would love to have a chat and I would just love to meet you in general. Thank you so much, Abby. Thank you for this chat, sharing your learnings, um, and I think also being really honest about what were the really tricky moments. It's been super helpful, I think, to a lot of people out there who are either building impact businesses or thinking about starting them and, and how to go about that. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Such a great chat. I love Abby's honesty, but also her humor in telling this story. She talks about play and the importance of play, and and I really think she lives it, so I admire that. Next week, we are talking about communicating sustainability with communications expert Helen Neal. And guess what? Collaboration and knowledge sharing are a big part of the takeaways here, too. I would love to hear who you'd like to hear from next on The Purpose Effect. Send me, or even better, connect me to amazing women building purpose-led businesses. You can DM me on Instagram, or you can send me an email. All of the ways to contact me are in the show notes. And you'll hear from me again next week. Bye.